From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. Delighted to welcome you today. It's uh, certainly a great, great week. I mean, here we are. Christmas is just around the corner, and uh, we're excited because we're getting to talk about some of the great themes related to the birth of our Savior. And today we're going to look at something that the Bible mentions about him, and I will show you in a moment how the Bible describes him as this man. That term is used in the Bible several times in relation to the Savior. Now, you remember, John chapter 1 and verse 14 says, The Word, talking about the Lord Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That passage tells us a lot about who he is and that he, who was God, he was God's Son and God the Son, He came to this earth, was birthed into human flesh. He became a man. Now look with me at Matthew chapter 13, and uh, two verses there make a reference to this man. Verse 54 says, When he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? And so they were seeing him in the flesh, And they were saying, oh, this man, uh, where did he get all the power to do this? And then down later in verse 56, they uh, mention how that uh, they have seen his brethren and his sisters, talking about the rest of the family that was born after Jesus was born. And uh, they said, uh, whence then hath this man all these things? And so twice in this 13th chapter of Matthew, he is designated as this man. Now, if you turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3 and verse 3, it says, For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. So once again, we're talking about the Lord Jesus, and the text says, This man. Look with me at chapter 7 of Hebrews and verse number 4. It says, Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Now, that's talking about Melchizedek, or you may call him Melchizedek, however you pronounce it. And of course, he is a type of the Lord Jesus, and it is directing us to think about the Lord Jesus when he is mentioned. And then verse 24 says, But this man... Because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. So we're talking about not some priest who comes on the scene, lives and dies, and is never heard from again, but we're talking about him who continues ever, verse 24 says, talking about his eternal being, and it says, this man hath an unchangeable priesthood, Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And then one more reference here in chapter 10 and verse number 12, the scripture says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. So here we have 
Not once, not twice, but six times this little term, this man, in reference to the Lord Jesus. And each one of these references leaves the impression that this man is something beyond the norm. He is so special, so unusual as to be altogether unique. That is, never before has anyone anywhere been like this man. His uh, person is something beyond what anybody has ever been before. All of his peers who were alive at the time he was here in the flesh, all of them pale in comparison to him. Even the famous, the rich, the powerful are no match for him. He is indeed something very, very special. Now, if you look back with me at the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, there are several things in that chapter that will give a distinguishing note to that. For example, uh, right at the top of the chapter, verses 1 and 2 say this, God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners, and that's just a way of saying who at various times and in a variety of manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So what do we have here? Well, he is distinguished because he is the Son of God. He has been sent as a messenger to the earth. He has come not just as a prophet, although he certainly fills the bill for that, but he's more than that. And this passage says uh, many, many folks in time past, they had the opportunity to hear the prophets. And the prophets predicted that someone like this, a Messiah, would come. And uh, the Lord God in heaven, the Father, has appointed the Lord Jesus. He is to be the heir of all things. I'm telling you, he is one day going to be fully established as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And when he does, yes, it'll be very obvious that he is King. It'll be very obvious that he is Lord. So we have this laid out very clearly in verse 2. Verse 5 also talks about his sonship when it says, For unto which of the angels said he, At any time thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. He says, and again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So really the sonship of the Lord Jesus is fully established here. Verse 8 again says, but unto the son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So what we have here with this passage is three times the sonship of the Lord Jesus is fully established. You say, what are we talking about? We're talking about this man. This man who was God from eternity's past and who will be God in all of the eternity's future. This man, nonetheless, was birthed in human flesh at Bethlehem, and he is going to spend some time here on the earth and do what we now know that he came to do, and that was to die for our sins and be resurrected from the grave and then go back to heaven to be our advocate. So we have him fully established here, and this passage here in Hebrews 1 also makes clear, as does the Bible over and over again, that the Lord Jesus is creator as well. Verse 2 says, by whom also he made the worlds, and uh, that simply means that the Lord Jesus, 
was creator, is creator. I mean, we're looking at his stature here and determining by that that uh, he is worthy of everything that we do to honor him, everything that we do to express delight in him and to worship him, all of that. Yes, his sonship and his stature are clearly laid out here. And then when you look as well, uh, there's something said here about his superiority. Whenever you read those first two verses, as we did, it says he's better than the prophets. Uh, The prophets came. They did their job. But here is somebody far greater, somebody who is in far greater position to do what he is sent to do. He is something so very, very special. So, yes, we'll say better than the prophets. And then when it gets to talking about the angels later in the chapter, uh, verses 5, 6, and 7, verses 13 and 14, talk about the angels, and it makes very clear he is greater than an angel. He is something more than that. So as wonderful as it is that we have the words of the prophets in the Old Testament— that's tremendous. I mean, we, we look to those uh, prophets. We have great delight in what they left us to read. But they are mere men who are utilized of God. And at the same time, the Lord Jesus is far greater than any one of them or all of them. In fact, Acts chapter 10 and verse 43 says, To him, talking about the Lord Jesus, give all the prophets witness that whosoever believeth in him should receive the remission of sin. So we just know that all of the prophets, every single one of them, are talking about the Lord Jesus when they talk about the Messiah. And of course, the angels are ministering to him, through him, with him. Now, you drop down to verse 8, and we see something again about his deity, and I will just say uh, his standing, who he is in the long run. Verse 8 says, but under the sun, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So yes, he does have a throne in heaven, and it is a permanent one, and it's one that he will not uh, step down from at any time. He's going to always be there on the throne. Now, that is a tremendous thing that we need to not ever get over. Whenever we read here in the Bible where it says all of these different times, this man, this man, this man, hey, listen, what it's telling us is he was birthed in human flesh, but don't you ever forget it. He is the eternal God. He is, in fact, God the Son. He is God in the flesh during those years here on the planet. And we know that, we see that, we understand that, and we know that he has a throne in heaven from which he is there advocating on our behalf. You know, uh, if I may inject here, uh, it's very important that we give Jesus the place that he deserves to have. He is a prophet. Yes, he is. Uh, He is the Son of God. He is God the Son. Yes, he is. He's also the great high priest for all of us. Whenever we think about our prayers, let me just make very clear to you, when you pray to God, you do not have to go through a preacher to get to God. You do not have to go through a priest to get to God. In fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, that uh, when we come to Christ, we are made both kings and priests. 
I mean, he gives us some status of royalty. He lets us be in the royal family, and then we have priestly functions in that we can go directly to the Lord with our prayers. And you remember the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man. And who is it? Well, it's the man Christ Jesus. He is the one mediator for us. That's what he does on the uh, throne of heaven. That's why he's there at the right hand of the Father. He's our advocate in heaven, and we need that. We all need that. But let me tell you something. You do not have to go to a church or some religious shrine. You do not have to go to some famous place. You do not have to go to any particular person. You do not have to find somebody who is a professional religious individual. You do not have to do any of that to get access to heaven. As a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're birthed into the family of God, and you have the privilege of praying on your own through the Lord Jesus to the Father. I'll not take the time to do it now because our time's about up today, but let me just remind you, when we pray, we pray to the Father and we pray through the Lord Jesus. That's why we say we pray in Jesus' name. He is the mediator. He is the advocate. He is the one that makes it possible for us to have access to the Father. So we'll stop here for now, but tomorrow we'll pick up and see some more about what the Bible tells us about this man. It's a very, very important subject, and I'm delighted that you've been along with us today, and I hope you'll be here tomorrow. We'll look forward to it. In the meantime, don't forget, I love to hear from you. So write me a note, Dr. Shelton Smith at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. Well, until tomorrow, God bless you. Do have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now.